welcome to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning with Wigan and Dana, the show where CPAs, insurance professionals, investment brokers, trust companies, CFPs, and more can firm up on their understanding of estate planning strategies so they can better guide their clients to make wise decisions with their legacy. Future Focus is hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. Subscribe to Future Focused Sophisticated Estate Planning on your favorite podcast platform and share episodes with your clients. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron and Michael. Welcome to Future Focused. I'm your host, Michael Clear, and I'm joined today by my partner, Aaron Nichols. In episode 11, we're going to be talking about what we refer to as the estate planning audit. The question of when should you review or update your estate plan. Just giving a general overview, there are several times when we believe this is apparent, when we need to take that look. Clients will often question us at the end of the process or sometimes at the beginning of the process and say, how often do we come back to all of these hard decisions that we just made? And I'll give you a quick outline here and then we'll dive into it. Generally, I think the one will be the passage of time Another option will be a change in assets, change in relationships, when people move, and when tax law changes. So Aaron and I now will dive into each of those and really kind of explain what are those triggering events that makes a client say, hey, I need to review my estate plan. Sure. Yeah, that was a a great summary of sort of the things that we tell clients at the end of meetings. And I think the passage of time is the one that will be applicable to everyone, regardless of circumstance or what happens in the future. So really, there are two reasons that we want to prompt people to revisit their estate plan after, you know, a certain number of years. So what I like to tell people is that they're powers of attorney and healthcare documents. So those are, you know, of course, the documents that are for incapacity planning. We like to have people re-execute them every five to seven years. And the goal of that is simply to keep them fresh as a legal term there. <laughs> and, you know, when you have these documents and it's generally a, you know, a critical time in the principal's life and you need to get the document accepted either by a healthcare provider or a financial institution or something of that sort. And the longer ago that that document was executed, often the harder it is to get it quickly accepted. So having those up to date is important. Yeah, so absolutely. Keeping them fresh, especially those ancillary documents, they're relatively easy and straightforward documents for us to prepare. It's a great time for us to reconnect with a client just to talk about various things. So keeping those fresh. When a client says to me, when we update kind of the core plan, it depends often on where a client is in their life. A young couple, we may say, you probably won't need to look at this plan, barring other changes that we'll go into for several years, right? What does several mean? I don't know. Five to seven years feels about right, barring any other changes that we're going to hit on. More senior clients may want to take a look at it more regularly just to make sure that the assets are owned correctly, that the fiduciaries are correct. 
they might want to have those conversations every two or three years with us just to make sure that those are still kind of the accurate and up-to-date aspects. Yeah. And I think for some of our higher net worth clients, regardless of age, it's common to have an estate planning audit every two years, even to revisit and get all the advisors together. It can be a great opportunity to reconnect, as you said. So it's five to seven years for a you know, your average younger person, maybe a slightly shorter amount of time for people with different circumstances. But then, of course, there are other times when that'll affect the timeline. One certainly would be a change in someone's assets. And I think that really falls into two categories, right? A increase or decrease in net worth, a significant change, and then changes to the types of assets that someone owns. Right. So on the changes of net worth, if somebody's assets have spiked in value, we can go easy and we won the lottery. Maybe you received an inheritance or you had a business that you went to sell and had a big liquidity event for greater than you had expected. A massive change in net worth should require a check-in and a conversation to make sure that the underlying plan remains appropriate, the tax planning remains appropriate, and what you have ultimately done for your beneficiaries. Sometimes on the decrease in value, you'll want to revisit it. If you have specific dispositions in there that are tied to value, we want to make sure that the waterfall of the assets still works. And, you know, tax planning may become less important for you. And we may think about getting a full step up in basis at death as opposed to using some of the trusts or some of the planning that we have, in which case we may want to redo some of the core planning because of the high estate tax exemptions and the change in the asset levels. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've talked a lot on this podcast about trust planning. And for a lot of people, a deciding factor of whether to use a trust or not will be necessarily tied to the amount of money flowing through the plan. So it can be really important to revisit those decisions. But another big change that can flow from your assets is just the type of property that you're owning. Certainly, real property out of state is a time that you should be connecting with your estate planning counsel to see what should be done. And that has a lot to do with, again, things we've previously talked about regarding ownership of property outside of your state of domicile and avoiding potentially a state tax in that state and certainly avoidance of a probate proceeding in that state. Yeah. So that leads to kind of in just the type of assets. Often when our clients implement their estate plans, we're using a revocable trust, right? So the revocable trust owning that out-of-state real property can be very important. Sometimes our clients make private investments in companies, and we might want to talk about how those assets are owned. Should they be within the revocable trust? Are there opportunities there to do additional planning with that sort of an asset? What are the kind of the expectations of that? So those sorts of opportunities are often a good chance to check in to see, hey, is the plan still in the best form? 
Absolutely. And I think just with respect to alternative investments, one thing that should be on every advisor's mind would be, you know, S corporations. And certainly if the client has trust planning involved, then you need to make sure that the underlying documents are drafted in a way that can qualify a trust to be an S corp shareholder. And that is a technical process that if it's not there, it would require trust amendments or asset sales after someone's death in order to make sure that the S-corp shares aren't impermissibly held by a trust. Right. So we've talked a little bit about the change of time, the change of assets, maybe the increase or decrease in net worth, maybe the specific investments that clients will have and how that can impact kind of the audit Sometimes things change, though, and relationships change. So a change in relationships should really spark a review of the estate plan. Absolutely. I think probably the one that is going to come to everyone's mind right away is divorce. But divorce is not handled uniformly across states, right? So If you have an estate plan in place and you are getting divorced in a jurisdiction that's different from the one that you signed your estate plan in, there can be an asymmetry with how things are dealt with. So stepping back for a second, there are many states in the U.S. that have statutes providing that divorce automatically disinherits a spouse from someone's estate plan also automatically could remove them as a fiduciary from someone's estate plan. That's slightly less common, but it's important to know what those rules are and then make sure that it dovetails with whatever your document says. Were you divorced in a state that says everyone that was related to your ex-spouse is out of the picture, but you don't want that to be the case or vice versa. So that is a huge life event that we really want people to come in pretty quickly after the divorce decree is entered because there's a lot of change that can flow from it. Absolutely. You want, there's a number of things to look at in that situation, but also even a divorce can impact if a child is going through a divorce that may lead you to do a certain type of planning or just plan a little differently for a child or a grandchild or any beneficiary that you may have. If fiduciaries are going through a divorce, you know, maybe you've picked somebody as your guardian and they're going through a divorce and that impacts, you've changed your mind or that causes you to think of a new person. So those, those changes in relationships can be an opportunity to go ahead and think about updating the plan. Yeah, absolutely. Also kind of on that change of relationships, I think it's just using the audit as an opportunity to say, are the fiduciaries still appropriate? Are these the right people for whatever reasons? You know, the passage of time, people have moved away. Any of those change in your personal relationships may mean that you have other changes to make in your plan. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And on the guardianship piece of it, I'd note that we do see a fair amount of drafting that appoints a married couple as guardians without any language designating which spouse would be preferred in the event of divorce. So people have these sort of general guardianship provisions that 
then get really complicated if there's a divorce between the intended guardians and you pass away with minor children. It'll be a protracted court process to figure out what the intent was and who the kids should be with. So that's certainly important. Our preference with drafting would be to not name spouses, I guess I I would say, or if you do, then make it clear what happens in the event of a divorce. I think one other situation that leads to an opportunity for discussion is change in advisors. Right. We prefer to work in a group of collaborative advisors, you know, with a financial advisors, financial planners, your CPA, your state planning attorney. And we prefer to work together. If you're bringing in a new team member within that, it's an opportunity to sit down with the entire team and work through the plan. Maybe there's no change in the estate plan itself, but making sure that the entire advisor team understands the planning and what's there is kind of a great check-in opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. To enhance that synergy and collaboration. Moving on, when a client moves out of state, that's another time to look at the plan. I often think similar to when a client has a child, 99% of the time that new child is automatically included in the plan or a grandchild maybe not 99, 90% of the time because of how we draft and how we define children, right? And a lot of, so that you don't have to rush in, right? So if you move out of state and you have a good estate plan, you still have an estate plan, right? But you may want to have it reviewed and looked at to see what new planning should be done in that home state. Right. I liked that metaphor, that connection to the children, because it's a good point. I would break down sort of the considerations into three categories if you move out of state. One would be just compliance with local law. Another would be updating documents that take a statutory form. And the last and most important for many people that we work with, given the high tax jurisdictions in which we practice, would be the motivation to change your estate planning documents based on enforcing the argument that you have actually given up your residency and domicile in the high tax state of origin. So to go through those a little bit more in depth, the updating statutory forms goes back to our first comments about powers of attorney and healthcare documents. The vast majority of those documents do flow from the statute themselves. So the states offer forms, meaning the providers within a given state are familiar with a certain format. So simply updating those documents could make it easier to get them accepted in that state of jurisdiction. But then certainly compliance with, not so much compliance with local law, I guess, but planning for local law. Yeah, planning for local life. You know, we never want to lose a client just because they've moved, right? And sometimes when our clients move, we'll stay connected depending on what state it is. Sometimes we'll continue to do the work and we'll get local counsel. Sometimes some of our colleagues at the firm are admitted in those states. So we'll be able to continue to work with them in that sense. I think often our planning is done in a very tax flexible way. And if you have an up-to-date plan with good asset ownership and beneficiary designations, we're just tweaking the outsides of the plan. So it should be an easy 
process that we can help get implemented as our clients move out of state. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think finally, just to give some concrete examples with respect to residency and domicile, when you have a client that lives in a state like Massachusetts or Connecticut or New York that are high tax jurisdictions, and they move to a state that is seen as much more tax favorable, like Florida or Tennessee, even lately, a lot of people have been identifying as a good tax jurisdiction to live in. When you have that move, you want to take a lot of necessary steps to ensure that you've successfully changed your residency for income tax purposes and your domicile for estate tax purposes to the new state. When you're leaving a state like Connecticut, there's no bright line rule for doing that. And instead, it's this, you know, multi-factor test. I think there are over 20 that the Department of Revenue Services would consider. And certainly updating your estate plan to assert that you are a resident of the new state and that you've updated it to reflect that can be a helpful factor if you were to be audited. Absolutely. I think that move on to our last piece relating kind of to the question of when you should update your estate plan is changes in the law. And I I think we look at that as big changes in tax law, as well as periodic changes to other aspects of the law, such as laws relating to retirement benefits or you know, state-specific laws as well. So we know the big one we're waiting on. So why don't you take that piece? Yeah. So certainly I think that in common discourse, right, those are the two big ones that we hear about, changes to the retirement benefit law and then changes to the estate tax exemption amounts at the federal level. And of course, over the past several years now, the estate tax exemption amount has really been not just in flux, but it's not clear where it's going. So we've talked about how President Trump's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 doubled the estate tax exemption amount and how that doubling is set to sunset at the end of 2025. So we certainly get a lot of questions from people about what we anticipate will happen, whether Congress will allow that exemption amount to sunset, whether it'll affirmatively be changed beforehand. So certainly there's a lot of speculation and, you know, we can offer our best counsel about what we know at the time. Yeah. I think if you look at kind of the, so the SECURE Act in 2019 really changed how we deal with uh, retirement benefits and estate planning. As an example, in Connecticut in 2020, we adopted the Uniform Trust Code, which gave more opportunities with trust planning in Connecticut. So those legislative changes can present opportunities for clients to think about tweaking, updating, or kind of improving their plan. With that, though, Aaron, so how do clients learn about those legislative changes? That's a great question and one that is certainly advisor-based. So for our clients, we like to keep people updated on anything that could potentially impact their plan via advisories. We send out summaries of any important changes when they happen, and we also 
send out a year-end sort of summary of what's happened. So if people can pay attention to those updates that get sent out, then they'll certainly know that if it sounds like it impacts them, they can come in. There are certain changes that might merit reaching out directly to someone because of the circumstance. And certainly we would do so then. But I think it's important. You're the client. It's important to know what your lawyer does and what he or she takes responsibility for, because there are plenty of practitioners who do the estate plan and that's the end of the representation. So they aren't responsible for informing the client any longer. And then the client should figure out whether that's going to be a financial advisor or if he or she should have some Google alerts set, you know, for him or herself. Absolutely. And I think that really is the key. I mean, for some of these things, you'll hear lots of people screaming from the rooftops that there's a change coming. But for others, you might not hear it as much. But it's one of those things that we'll look at when we're actually sitting down to do your estate planning audit. And we'll talk about those changes in the tax laws or those changes in retirement benefits and the improvements of maybe local law and how that would impact it. Right. So let me just kind of close this out and talk a little bit about what do we do in an estate planning audit when I think about it. Right. It's, and I think, look, we'll sit down before that meeting and we'll review your plan and be able to describe the plan to you so you can kind of repeat back. Yes, that plan still makes sense. The plan for the beneficiaries. Did you do trust planning? Who are the beneficiaries? Those are things that we'll spend time on. We'll look at your assets, what assets you currently own and how you own them. Do you own them jointly, jointly with rights of survivorship? Should they be in your revocable trust? What are the impacts on those things? We'll look at your beneficiary designations, especially on your retirement benefits. Did you coordinate your beneficiary designations with your estate plan? Did you open a new account? Are those new accounts also coordinated? And we'll look at the tax planning that's involved and any of the changes in the tax law and recommend if anything should be changed from that. So sitting down for an estate planning audit shouldn't be terribly hard. It should be a nice time to sit and connect with your your planning team to make sure that all of your goals are still being met through that overall estate plan. And if you're a client of Michael's, you might be able to convince him to do that audit on the golf course to make it all the more fun for you, you know? We're not the worst people to hang out with, so we don't make these too onerous on people to come and check up on their estate plan. Yeah. Hopefully the kind of you have that relationship with the council so that you're able to have those conversations in the way that that makes sense for you and and your family. So thanks a lot, Aaron. It was a great conversation and a nice overview of those things that clients should think about when they happen in their lives, those triggering events that occur, that they should at least say, hey, is my plan still up to date? Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning, hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. At Wigan and Dana, our aim is preserving the wealth that a family has worked so hard to create and pride ourselves in offering value-driven solutions and results. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, share episodes with your clients, and follow our highly talented, creative, and experienced lawyers on LinkedIn for even more great insight. We'll see you next time on Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning.